Hi, and welcome back to The Lowdown. This week, I was joined by Aurelien Collignon from Four Partnerships. Four Partnerships are very much leading the light in ESG. In particular, they have a commitment for all their real estate, including their team, to get to net zero by 2025. They are a B Corp, and they've got a huge amount of interesting thoughts to talk about. Aurelian was an amazing guest and um, got a huge amount out of the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Aurelian, thank you so much for joining us on the lowdown. Um, it's really exciting to have you here today. And I'm really looking forward to discussing a lot more about what you do and what four partnerships been doing. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, are you able to give us a bit of a breakdown in terms of four partnerships, what you do and what makes you different? Sure. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks. And it's great, great, uh, great being here. So thanks for having me. Um, so four partnership is, uh, is a real estate investment platform. Uh, we've been, we've been going on for about a decade now. Um, and what we do is that we really focus on um, sustainability and social impact uh, through through the real estate lens. So everything we do is leveraging real estate really to try to achieve uh, higher purposes and higher outcomes. Um, and so usually we would focus very much on the kind of the you know basic sustainability features, which is really looking at energy, water, waste. Um, how to minimize the impact and the carbon footprint, but also we would really, really try to have um, the most positive social impact we can on every single project that we take on, which means you know, linking very much with local organizations and universities, local authorities, charities, for instance. So for us, um, you know, this is uh, real estate uh, as a mean to generate economic returns to our investors, and we do that across Europe, very much in the UK, a little bit in Germany as well right now, uh, across asset classes, but it's it's also uh, something that delivers for us um, certainly a, a social return as well. And you talk there about um, delivering investor returns and from, from your perspective, you know, you're in the business of ensuring that your investors get the best returns possible, but equally delivering positive social and environmental returns. And, and I just want to ask you, do you, do you feel conflicted with that? And has that made it a, some difficulties for your business model in terms of benefiting both parties? Uh, no, no, no. I think it's, it's a really virtuous uh, uh, cycle that we, we're working, working with here. So when we, when we started, um, we really, uh, Fall was really born out of a, a single family office, uh, US family office called Capricorn. Capricorn was funded by Jeff School. Uh, who was uh, founder and first chairman of eBay. And, and Jeff School has always been really advocate of um, um, social impact, very much so in sustainability. So he's always been early investors into a lot of technologies and social organizations himself. So this is really kind of the grassroots where we come from uh, as part of our investor base. And then as we grew over the past 10 years or so, um, other investors that join our, our, our networks very much share these values. So we know that um, to start with, it, it is important for our investors and it is important for us because we don't think that economic returns and social impact 
and sustainability are all mutually exclusive. I think they really work um, um, really closely together. So we think about everything in a very holistic approach as a system. So we have systemic um, strategies and approach to things. Uh, and usually when we take on some sustainability or social initiatives and challenges, and we, we work through something specifically uh, on, on, on these topics, we know that this is the right thing to do as well for the business. This is kind of common sense and will therefore generate higher financial returns to our investors. And is, is that something which you feel that as, as a company, within your culture and your values, everybody working for Forward Partnership is, is driven by that? Have you found that's made a, like a real impact to, to how you guys work as a team? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question because I think you, uh, I would answer directly to that in a, in a second, but you can see already how um, a lot of companies are actually shifting right now. You can see how um, the, uh, the employee base is, uh, the, the mindset is shifting. I don't want to talk necessarily just about, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. I think that's been kind of a, um, been made a bit confusing over the years. Um, using the analogy to just younger generations, but it's just generally speaking, I think that uh, the workforce is looking for their corporate, their brand, the people they work for, uh, their companies and CEOs and HR directors uh, and CFOs and so on to, to stand for a higher purpose. So you can see that this is generally something that is happening across the industry, across industries. Um, uh, most now um, employees would actually rather work for a purposeful company, so a company that really has mission, a set of values, um, uh, and even if that means that it would take a salary cut for it, they'd rather be, you know, feeling entirely fulfilled at the end of the day, looking themselves back into the mirror to do the right thing. Um, and so that much, very, very much applies to four. I think when we are building the team and we've been growing over the years, uh, and we are still planning to actually grow quite, quite a lot over the next you know, couple of years or so. Um, we very much need to have people uh, that are fully aligned with the values that we have because it does require a high level of energy and conviction to, to keep pushing boundaries on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, no, I can fully support where you're coming from and definitely from my own personal experience, it's a big part of where we're trying to shape our business. One of those parts is, um, which I've noticed four partnerships are, is that you are B, B Corporation. And it's something which we are going through the process at the moment of exploring. And, and I'd be really interested to know, because I'm assuming you must be one of the, if not the first real estate uh, investment companies to be B Corp, is that correct? Yeah. That, that, that's true, yeah. I think it's only, uh, it might be only two of us now, um, but it definitely one of the first, yeah. What, what impact have you, has you felt that, that it's made on your business? And did you find it a challenge having to effectively reset and, and re-review all the processes around you? Um, so for maybe some people less familiar with it, I think we're talking about the B Corporation uh, certification status. So, so that's something that would go and certify businesses, companies in the way that they go about uh, leading their day-to-day -day business, but also the way that they actually manage, uh, procure uh, their own uh, their own business. So looking back inwards as to how um, how you carry out your 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 business as a company, and 
Um, this is a, usually a challenge to try to get that certification done because, um, because it really looks back into every way that you do anything. So it needs to be uh, documented. It needs to, you need to write up policies and procurement strategies and you need to make sure that you are actually um, following a set of rules and guidelines um, so that uh, you can demonstrate that your business puts people and planet uh, on par the same level as profit uh, so it's very much very much to say you know this is good business we don't disregard profits but at the same time um, you will very much um, uh, try to really push the agenda towards sustainability and social impact at the same time so what we've done we've spent about a year to, to get that certification uh, done um, so it is rather intense to do uh, you need to have a dedicated team, at least one person, you know, two, two people, depending on the size of the organization. The main challenge for us really was not to change the way we were doing business, because I think we were already doing a lot of what needs to be done. Um, however, we had to really uh, put down on paper all these policies and procurement strategies that I was mentioning. We didn't have the, 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 the kind of the, the backup uh, to demonstrate everything that we were doing. So that's what's taking quite some time. And then you have a very rigorous audit that is being carried out by the B Corp team before the, uh, the onboarding, before you can be certified. Now, once all of that's done, um, you start to really see the benefit of the B Corp universe. Um, so there are already thousands of, of brands. I mean, some of them are quite famous, obviously, and, you know, like Patagonia, for instance, is B Corp, um, and a lot of others that you would know. Um, but you start to, to create a bit of a, uh, an ecosystem of brands and companies that are actually already being vetted and, and, that, and, that, um, and that go about delivering their own business alongside the same values and mission that, that yours. So that means you can really start to cross industries. You can start to innovate. You can start to collaborate. Um, and, it's, um, and it's just very, very powerful. So we had already a few examples where we, uh, we've been introduced to other big businesses and there is a genuine willingness to work together, um, which is very uh, powerful and very refreshing. So you can really come up with brand new ideas that will avoid you as a developer or as an investment manager or as an asset manager, for instance, in the real estate industry to just you know, continue to always do the same thing, work with the same people, have the same processes. Uh, we need to break the mold. We need to work with other um, businesses that are that are also pushing boundaries. We need to we need to deliver new things, innovate. So that's really what we um, what we are seeing as the benefit of being B Corp today. Great, uh, it's really exciting to hear, and I'm I'm so pleased you're already making some 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 wins out of it. Really really mm -hmm. exciting stuff. Um, very fitting that we are speaking uh, while COP26 is ongoing. And I was reading a, a report earlier, which said that I think it's just under 40% of all global carbon emissions are coming via the built environment. I noted that um, four uh, partnerships has plans to get to net zero by 2025, um, which is in a pretty incredible um, challenge you've set yourself. Um, love to know how you're getting on doing this and, and, and has this had an impact to how your business has been run? Uh, so, the, the, so we committed to uh, net zero carbon um, by 2025, which really is tomorrow. So that means that you, you need to uh, look at 
the portfolio that we have currently that we manage. So it's kind of a series of um, assets, uh, you know, properties, commercial, um, com commercial real estate, uh, but also residential. So we've got a bit of a, a mixed bag in there. You need to ensure that all of them will actually um, then be net zero carbon. We're talking about in operation currently. So there are some embodied carbon that is already there in some of the assets that we bought or on some of the assets that we redevelop. But we're talking about being net zero carbon in, in operation for these assets by 2025. Uh, and then we're also talking about our own business. How do we go about you know, procuring everything, waste management in the office, traveling, do we you know, keep on kind of flying to uh, across the UK or to Germany? Do we find other ways? Um, and how do we go about reducing our carbon footprint? So yes, there will be, uh, and there's, there's, there has been already changes um, being made. Um, there will be some offset element as well um, to completely clean the carbon balance left uh, at the end of every single year. So we need to find some initiatives as well in order to be able to really bring that down to zero, uh, because sadly we will still have to travel to sites um, and you can't negate completely um, that carbon being emitted. Um, so there is, there is always sadly a, a trace to it, but the challenge is, is massive and I think um, we are on our journey. We are absolutely, completely firm about delivering that net zero carbon balance by 2025. We're already working on pathways to really bring even the embodied carbon down to the level recommended by UKGBC or the LETI um, or the, the, uh, the Better Building Partnership as well. So um, we are really on mission, but net zero carbon, the whole, um, the whole agenda, the topic, it is is not straightforward. It's not easy. Sometimes people are talking across purposes um, and definitions are not always clear. So you really need to actually spend a lot of time. There is no other way to do it. Look into every single project. Understand uh, how much carbon is embodied into the the, the base build the fabric already. Um, what understand all the um, all the uh, amendments modifications. Uh, touches you're going to do to the buildings themselves are you going to completely demolish and then rebuild are you going to extend are you going to just do internal refurbishment and then you can start to analyze uh, the carbon that you save and the carbon that you add back into these projects so that you have a whole uh, life carbon analysis i think that's where we need to to be we need to be able to really understand the whole story around carbon for any single building not just the brand new ones, uh, because they remain a very small portion of the overall stock today. But every single building in the street, when you walk around, I think every owner needs to have a complete uh, carbon identity, you know, card almost for all of these buildings. And that's going to take some time. That's going to take some uh, resources and energy as well. But it's generally very, very exciting. It, it sounds it. I mean, it sounds like there's a huge amount of work which you guys go about doing to, to, to put this strategy together. And, you know, as a small business ourselves, I think making commitments like us as a business getting to carbon neutral by uh, uh, 2025 is, is amazing. I mean, do, do you have someone in the, do you have a full-time team leading on this? How, how does it work? Um, not really. Everyone is quite full-time team leading on that. Um, so we, we're kind of priding ourselves with the fact that 
Um, we are a small business, but everyone is actually dedicating some time to um, making sure that their own project um, and the, the way that they're actually handling their own part of the business uh, is being now done in a way which aligns completely with our net zero carbon commitment. So um, we have people that champions it more than others because they would have spent more time. And I think, again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it, there is no shortcutting. I think you can't just think as an organization, I'm going to just hire you know, the best carbon specialist and he's going to come in, spend a day looking at it and then and then what? And then bring your carbon emissions down? No, that's that's not working like that. So I think every organization needs to have some people dedicated, the whole team, if you can. I mean, we are a small business here, so we can afford to have absolutely every single staff um, spending time on that, understanding it, and then coming up with initiatives and uh, recommending working with consultants and partners as well. Uh, but time is definitely um, what's required here. So if you are a large organization, yeah, it makes sense to have probably a, a carbon champion who's going to lead a, a smaller team around, you know, pushing initiatives really across the business. So there's obviously a lot of talk at the moment in real estate um, around ESG. And as we've been speaking about, um, the environment is, is one of the main pieces where um, it's easy to measure. And although difficult to navigate, that there is a there is a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of how that looks from a corporate perspective but we are really interested about the s part that the social element and um you know i suppose from our business model it, it, it's all around affordability and um so it's kind of becomes much easier to deliver social impact if the buildings you're managing um are affordable but equally you know we're not naive to the fact that um, businesses and buildings and real estate companies need to make returns and, and I'm just really interested to know because I know that the that the social part is a big part of what you guys do as well and I'd just be really interested to know again how you've gone about navigating that and, and getting the best use out of your buildings while at the same time delivering returns for your investors. Yeah and so that's it's I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you're asking the question um because that's something that I love to raise when I'm in, uh, speaking to anyone. Um, there is a real uh, stigma or maybe there is a real bias about social uh, impact or social return. Uh, the word social, I think, is linked still in everyone's mind very much to social housing, um, which means I think there is a direct um, and wrong kind of translation in people's mind, subconscious into regulations. So you talk about social, you think about, oh, gosh, you know, like this is complex. This is heavily regulated. I am not a social house builder or I am not a, a social workplace provider. I don't do social. This is not what I do. And therefore, I just need to maximize my you know, financial returns. Let's not let's never you know, look into this kind of social beast, really. And that's really a shame because it couldn't be more wrong and further from the truth. Um, so you've got now people looking into the uh, E of ESG, the environmental piece. So, you know, people start to get a bit of a grip around, okay, there's a bit of climate change. Okay, there's a bit of carbon story. I understand that I need to reduce all um, energy consumptions. I understand that I need to uh, get my EPC to be better because otherwise the government is not going to let me uh, find a tenant and let my space if the EPC is not good enough. 
So everyone, like all the big corporations are actually now really focusing on the environmental story, which is great. However, the environmental story is the one that it actually, you know, can be costly. You have to, uh, you have to insulate your building to improve your APC. You may want to look into passive house. You may want to look into some BRIAM certification or well standard or whatever it may be. But this is where there are costs associated with it, which you almost cannot go around and avoid. But everyone's focusing on that. The social story, the S, the kind of the poor little brother S forgotten about uh, on the side here, is where there is just absolutely um, an endless uh, amount of initiatives you can do. I mean, the social aspect of things doesn't have to be regulated. The social aspect of things means that when you take on a project as a developer, as a, as a property owner, you just need to understand who is living in the area. You just need to start to meet with local businesses. You need to question the local authorities a little bit more about what it is that they are trying to, to tackle. What are the challenges? Every single place and projects will be linked with their own set of challenges. And that's where the social story starts. So you can then map out and what we do here at four is that we always do uh, a needs analysis so we have a, a map we look into um, the index of deprivation uh, and we try to understand whether we need to focus our efforts on education or employment or food or, or crime or whatever it may it may be uh, and usually the needs analysis the map that we come up with uh, is very very different from one project to the other once you mapped out all the, the kind of the main uh, needs that you would want to try to address and to solve, go and meet with the, the organizations that are already on the ground doing a lot of things. The, they would not believe the fact that you just pick up the phone, call them, introduce yourself and say, hey, you know, I just bought a site, I bought a building. Um, we're going to be here for five years. We'd love to work together. You know, what do you need? Do you need space into my building? Do you need donations? Do you need people to come up and do something with you? Do you need some support for your communication? Can we do a press release together? There is, this is just absolutely endless. And the good thing about it is that 90% of the initiatives would cost absolutely nothing. So you can do a lot more into the social space. It can be really, really impactful. It can be really powerful. It's going to definitely help putting your project on the map as well. The local authorities are really going to see you as a very smart, well-connected, very genuine um, and really purposeful developer. And guess what? That's going to be really good business for you. You're going to get your planning sorted you know, more quickly. Uh, you're going to get better connections with everyone. You're going to get the story out. People will start to pay attention. You probably end up letting your building for higher rent. Uh, someone will come around, wants to buy it. Um, so. It is, this is this kind of gigantic social universe, which is completely intact because it, it, it is quite scary for most people and they don't want to look into it. They don't want to try uh, even, but they're missing out on really the best part and the most powerful part, really. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah, absolutely spot on. Thank, thank you so much. Um, Already, and that was really, really awesome, actually. So many really interesting points you've covered there. And um, yeah, thank you so much for giving your time up to, to chat with us. Um, it's really kind. Pleasure.
Thank you so much. That was really awesome. So many amazing takeaways from that episode. And I think a lot for myself and our company to learn from setting examples, ensuring that the values of your business are upheld by especially those probably more junior in the company as well. And it's really exciting to see companies like Ford Partnerships really making the change um, this topic is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, we're really keen to keep talking to people in the industry. So I really hope you're enjoying listening.